the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Hello, Biblical Citizens. Happy New Year! I hope you all had a blessed Christmas and are looking forward with hope and faith towards 2022, this new year coming up. Today we have a very special guest with us, Mayor Richard Bailey of Coronado. Mayor Bailey is a freedom-loving and successful mayor who has common sense and faith in ordinary citizens to make their own choices, including medical choices in this strange mandate era. He's now running for the United States Congress. We hope he brings the same kind of thinking to Washington. Mayor Bailey is a San Diego native, and he moved to Coronado in 2010. He got elected to the Coronado City Council in 2012. He was then elected to mayor in 2016 and and again in 2020. And he's also an adjunct professor at the University of San Diego, where he teaches economics. So what has Richard Bailey done as mayor of Coronado? Well, he's reduced taxes. He's blocked wasteful spending. Guess what? He helped earn Coronado a triple-A bond rating. He's led by example by waiving his own city pension. Do you ever hear of that? He voted twice against his own pay raise. He's become known for taking action against the Tijuana River sewage spills that force all our beach closures. And notably, Mayor Bailey kept those same beaches open in early 2020 when COVID first hit and the other SoCal beaches were closed. So, Welcome, Richard, to our show, and and how was your Christmas? Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Brian and Kathleen. Uh, my Christmas was uh, was wonderful. My uh, my immediate family and I we spent it together over in uh, over in La Mesa, where my mom lives. So it was a great time. Hey, well, we loved your Christmas card. It's so bright and cheery. And uh, let's start off with at the very st- uh, start of this COVID pandemic, you famously kept the Coronado beaches open. A lot of other government officials closed the beaches, and there didn't seem to be any rationale from our point of view. But, And uh, recently you've said that you're not going to enforce the governor's latest indoor mask mandate. So explain to our listeners your thinking on these things. In the very beginning of this pandemic, even when we didn't know much about the virus, what we knew is that it wasn't transmitted outdoors. Uh, even in the early part of uh, 2020, when the virus was first emerging, there was never any indication that the virus is transmissible outdoors. And so when I saw all of these uh, officials from around the state of California and around the country 
starting starting to close down outdoor public spaces, I just I, I couldn't help but wonder why. And so I reached out yeah, to it didn't make any uh, sense. several of them. It didn't make any sense no. at all, but <clears throat> maybe they knew something I didn't know. And so I reached out to several of them and asked, hey, what have, what have you seen in the data that makes you feel as though the public is safer by removing outdoor public spaces, such as parks and beaches? And none of them had an answer for me. And so I, I contacted the county uh, public health office directly uh, as a mayor. You know, we have a, pretty much a direct line into the county public health officers. And I asked them, is there any evidence that uh, cases are being transmitted outdoors? And they flat out said, no, there isn't. And so there was, there was never any reason. Other than, that, other than that, let's close them down, right? Yeah. Oh, and that was, that was really it. You know, I, I have to say that, uh, like, looking back on it, I think the reason so many officials kind of went along with it and were almost trying to race one another to close down as much as they could, as quickly as they could, you know, science be damned, um, <laughs> was, was because the media was awarding them with positive coverage. Um, in fact, one of my favorite stories to tell is that after Cornell took a stand and said, hey, we're not shutting down these beaches. You're not in danger if you're outside. We're not going to pretend that you are. Um, one of my favorite stories to tell is that after we took that stand, the Union Tribune ran a front page story saying Coronado Mayor endangers the public health by uh, keeping beaches open. And with no so no out. science to back it up. Yeah, they've been a they've yeah. been a they've become quite a toxic force. I hate to say in, across the board in our metro area, but well, and inter- now we, interesting insight. And now we know that the the press is so much funded by big pharma. You know, seventy percent of their ad revenues come from pharma. That's why they're doing these types of things. So you got you got, you got really the are pushing the narrative that is unsupported yeah. by by science. <laughs> so yeah, and when we when you ask for the science, you don't get it, but you still get the negative press. It's it's really bad. Uh, That's right. So, just as our our state as a whole has not benefited by these restrictions, and so we haven't, you know, we have the lowest, we have the most restrictions, but yet high cases, or you know, it just doesn't. It hasn't added up for a long time. So I it we can really see. Has so we we would agree with you why you're not endorsing the mask mandate. Like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And when you when you look at like this this latest mask mandate, I mean it's the this quote unquote mandate. There there is no enforcement mechanism. There's no enforcement penalties, and it's not even clear within the guidance from the state exactly who a city would cite. Would they cite the customer for being non-compliant? Would they cite the 16 year old hostess to you know that's not requiring customers to their mask over their nose as they enter the restaurant only to take it off as soon as they sit at the table or would it be the business for not forcing that 16 year old hostess to confront the customers it's not even clear so this is not an enforceable mandate anywhere and then when you start comparing our cases to say over in new york city where they have they have all these mandates they have these vaccine passports and their cases are skyrocketing it just makes you wonder why does the why does the government think they can control the spread of you know what they claim to be the most transmissible virus in you know in our history um, they, trust me, they can't. Right? But that's one of the things that I think more um, representatives should be more transparent about is the government only has so much authority and they really don't have power to do very much um, at all. And so it, it's unfortunate they're trying to use that power to control a virus, which you can, they're, not, they're never going to be able to stop. No, they want to control people rather than a virus. <laughs> so, they do. They, yeah. they, there's no question about it. This is about control. It's almost. It reminds me of if you give some a if you give some people a whistle, all they want to do is blow it. The more you give, <laughs> that's a great analogy. Yeah, 
the more they just want to blow it. Yeah, the, and they and they blow it double on time, double meaning. Yeah, they blow it and they blow it. I want to tell our listeners one thing really quick, and then you ask them the next question. Uh, do you know that it says right on the California Department of Health website that the following individuals are exempt from wearing masks at all times? Children under two years old and people with, and it says, a medical condition. So, I mean, everybody has a medical condition. If somebody tries to pressure you into a mask, just show them the printout from the California Health Department website and says, you're exempt if you have a medical condition, and you don't have to tell anybody what that condition is. <laughs> Thank so you. I want to. I want to pivot. I want to pivot to another key point that I think you make a point about in your. I, I believe you are in your campaign, and that is California school choice. Uh, we've had several people on our show from the California School Choice Initiative. You want to talk a little bit, Richard, about what you think this can do for our region, for our state. There's no question about it that that choice, that competition fosters growth in every single industry we have. Um, the same will, the same is no doubt true um, for quote unquote public education or government run education. If the school's choice measure passes, and I, I certainly hope that it does, where students now, where funding will actually follow students wherever they decide to be educated, wherever their parents decide to send them to be educated, you will start seeing schools change their practices almost overnight. You will see new schools um, being created by the private sector uh, to try to, uh, they are entering this new market. They're going to be providing first-rate uh, curriculum. They actually prepare students for a 21st century um, profession. And you are going to see a mass exodus of government-run uh, public education, public schools, uh, K-12, through at least a mass exodus from the ones that are not actually educating our children how our parents believe they should be educated. So um, I'm a big proponent of school choice because it makes schools compete. It makes schools try to be a better educational institution than they were just yesterday or a few years ago. Um, so this will only benefit students. It will only benefit parents. And then ultimately it benefits our society by having more educated, uh, more educated students. I, I totally agree. We're coming up in a little bit to the break, so I have time to ask you one more time. Um, one more time. One more question. So California redistricting is finally complete, and you are running for United States Congress in the 52nd District. There's a Democrat incumbent there, Scott Peters. So you want to just give us a top line, and then we'll go into more depth after the break. What are some of the biggest reasons why you are running for Congress? Well, the top line is this. Uh, Congressman Scott Peters, in this most recent congressional uh, uh, session, voted with Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time. Wow. This means San Diego is getting the same representation as uh, liberal San Francisco, and I think that most San Diegans would not want to, would not want that type of representation. Yeah, that uh, that that's across the board, isn't it? We're we're going to talk a little bit of, uh, after the break about some of the specifics, like the horrific Build Back Better Biden program, which thankfully has not passed the Senate. But Scott Peters was all for it, like you say. Uh, I want you said he voted a hundred percent the same as Nancy Pelosi. I suspect he's voted pretty much close to a hundred percent with that other great leader, AOC. If we look, <laughs> if we look at the record. So we need to get somebody else in there. We need to get you in there, Richard. So we'll be right back, people, to talk more about this. Be right back. 
There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Milanakis on K-Praise. We are back with Mayor Richard Bailey of Coronado. He's running for U.S. Congress. And now the new lines have been set with redistricting. So he's in this 52nd district. Uh, Mayor Bailey, what areas does that now include? And how do you rate your chances against Scott Peters, the Democrat? Great question. So as you as you just mentioned, redistricting just uh, was finalized uh, er, earlier this week officially. And so all of the district boundaries have now changed and also all the district numbers have now changed. So what was previously known as the 52nd district represented by uh, Congressman Scott Peters is now the 50th district. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Peters. So, yeah, so the numbers have changed. Part of the reason why the numbers changed so much is because California actually lost the congressional seat. We went from 53 congressional seats, and now we're down to 52. Really? So We've lost that all. much population? Yeah, because of population loss. Wow. But, but, so, but you are running in the 52nd, is that correct? No, so the, uh, let's see, um, if you, it's probably easiest just to kind of describe the area here. So yeah. Most listeners won't be familiar with the, the different right. numbers. Right. What the area includes that uh, where Coronado currently resides in, it includes uh, Coronado, uh, Hillcrest, North Park, Point Loma, Claremont Mesa, um, and then it kind of starts heading north, and you end up grabbing um, La Jolla, Encinitas, and then it goes all the way almost to the border of Poway. It's kind of where the district stops. And so the biggest difference between this district now and the district that it was just a, a week ago is that the redistricting commission took Poway out of the district. Poway was previously in the district. They took Poway out of the district and they brought in North Park and Hillcrest. So they removed the conservative part of the district and they brought in two um, politically more liberal parts of San Diego County into the district. And you saw this happen uh, throughout the state of California. Every single Democratic seat throughout the state became even more blue. Really? And of, that's right. And of the roughly dozen uh, congressional seats that Republicans currently have now, um, almost half of them became much more purple or have a slight uh, blue lean to them. Um, so the redistricting commission, although they are considered to be, and they are tasked with being nonpartisan, uh, they're their, their deliberations were, um, although not overtly partisan, all the decisions they made ultimately benefited Democrats. Funny thing. I oh, think the old name terrible. for that is gerrymandering, but if it's a red wave election, that could bite them because election, uh, districts that inevitably, if they made some districts more Democrat, that means there must have been other districts that were at least slightly more Republican and maybe they thought they'd still catch those ones, but maybe not. And hopefully not yeah. the district you're in. So that makes it all the bigger turnaround if you are successful in this district. That's right. And we're really hoping right now. So right now what we're doing, just to give your uh, listeners <clears throat> yeah. a little bit of insight into right. kind of the thought process that for, for these candidates, including myself. So we started our campaign about three and a half uh, months ago or so. And the number one job of a candidate and I know many listeners might, might kind of bristle and hear this, but this is the, just the reality of the situation. 
the number one job of a candidate is to raise money. And you'll, you'll hear that time and time again. And the reason raising money is just so critical to a successful election is because it takes a lot of money to get your message out there, right? We, we hope that all of our candidates, we should try to recruit candidates that have a great track record of actually, um, of actually following what the role of government is and actually executing what the role of government is as opposed to expand, trying to expand their powers, et cetera. So we want to find good candidates. Um, but then we need candidates that can actually get their message out there. Some candidates are good at fundraising, some are not. But it takes fundraising to help spread your message um, to a district. But, you know, congressional districts, they, they represent roughly 700,000 people. They have roughly 350,000 to 400,000 voters in a given election. So imagine the amount of resources that's required to actually get your message out there, to demonstrate your track record, to share about um, who you are as a person and why voters should vote for you to roughly... 350 to 400,000 people. It takes a lot of resources to do that. So for the last yep. three months, that's what we've been focused on. Uh, now we've raised over half a million dollars. And so we are looking at all the numbers in our current district and trying to figure out what does the path to victory look like? Um, this district went from being a very tough but winnable seat just a couple of weeks ago to now we're looking at the numbers and we're, we're asking ourselves, hey, is this really the best use of our resources and uh, our donor support do we really think we have a fighting chance against Scott Peters now that the district has moved further to the left? So that's a decision. Um, that's a, a thought process we're kind of going through internally right now as a campaign team. And we're going to have a formal announcement probably in next week once we've made, once we kind of check all those boxes and figure out exactly what the path to the victory would look like and if we are confident we can pull it off. Well, it sounds like you're really doing a good cost-benefit analysis good, good, thorough job. and a way, you know, are you allocating your resources to the best advantage? And I think you've done that as mayor, and I think you're pretty good at doing that. So I, I, we hope our listeners all take notice of that. But let's talk about immigration. It's a sure. hot topic for our region. Here we are really near the southern border, and we want to talk about your ideas for an orderly immigration system that deters illegal crossings and incentivizes bright, talented, and hardworking people to legally immigrate. So tell us a little more specifically what we should be doing that we're not doing now. Absolutely. You know, and this is an issue where I think the Democrats have gone so far to the left that they've completely abandoned where the center of the country really is. And immigration is a tremendous opportunity for Republicans to make big inroads throughout the country. And when you look at when you look at our nation and you consider that over half of the world's legal immigrants come to the United States annually, half the world's legal immigrants come to our country. They want to come to our country. That tells me we should be viewing immigration as an asset, as an asset to our country, legal immigration. Yep. But what we've done through our through the way we implement our laws is that we've made immigrating legally to the U.S., very, very expensive, very, very time-consuming. And what we're doing now is we are deterring people from immigrating here legally and bringing their capital, bringing their skill sets, bringing their education, bringing their work ethic to our country legally because we made it so difficult. So now we're incentivizing people to cross illegally because, you know, you come across the border, you make an asylum claim, you're released into the United States, whether or not your claim is a bona fide claim or not, and while we're waiting for your processing, you're now into the country, the government loses track of you, and before you know it, you're now uh, effectively a member of our society. Um, and so we're encouraging people through the way we enact our laws 
to immigrate here illegally, when we should flip that script. We should make it incredibly difficult to immigrate here illegally. We should make it incredibly difficult for people to take advantage of our immigration laws. And we should make it easier to attract people that have capital into our country, that have a strong work ethic in our country, that um, have the skill sets that our, our country needs. Like we should really flip the script. We're doing everything exactly backwards right now when it comes to immigration. That just makes so much common sense. Although I think I think that's one of your uh, themes already in your congressional campaign, which makes a lot of common sense. I want to ask you about another thing. You said uh, before the break that uh, our friend Scott Peters votes 100% of the time with Nancy Pelosi, which is absolutely true. And one of those things he voted with Nancy Pelosi on is this Build Back Better multi-trillion dollar spending monstrosity that thanks to Scott Peters, it narrowly passed the House. Thanks to Joe Manchin, it thankfully has not so far at least passed the United States Senate and become law. Do you want to make any comment on this Build Back Better scheme that Scott Peters voted for? Anytime you have the, the, federal, uh, the federal governor, Congress, trying to pass a bill, read the name of the bill and just know it's going to be the exact opposite. Look at the Affordable Care Act. The <laughs> Affordable Care Act. a good rule, yeah. Yeah. That's over a decade ago, right? Anything but affordable. Only in Washington, D.C. is something that costs several trillion dollars considered affordable. This Build Back Better bill um, it, it is not going to build our nation back any better. It contributes to inflation. It's it's not funded. Um, it actually, ironically, you know, hear Democrats talk about all these different messaging points of, oh, we're the party of the little guy, you know, we're the party of minorities, we're, we're, the, we're the party of the working class. And you look at this bill, it does the exact opposite of all that. Um, yeah, maybe a good tactic of the Republicans would be to just name the bill the exact opposite of what they name What it, it really is. And tell what it really is, you know. Build back worse. Like this is the the destruction bill of the century, you know. <laughs> exactly the, the, the I mean, inflationary bill. Um, when you look, exactly. when you consider that, roughly thirty to forty percent of all the money currently in circulation right now was created in just the past two years. Wow! And the federal government wants to go ahead and increase the deficit even more to pay for this. Uh, massive, massive spending proposal. And we're already um, seeing such high market. inflation. It's really it's, terrible. It's ratcheting up so, every month. You know, we just have limited time, though, in our show. I want to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners, Richard, how can they how can they volunteer or how can they help your campaign? Absolutely, Brian. Well, thank you for that question. Look, if you if your listeners believe that it's, it's time for a common sense comeback, now, that's what our track record has been all about. Uh, we really believe in public service. We believe government has a very, very narrow role to play in, in our lives, in our society. And we're, um, we're really excited to uh, give, give the people, the, the 50th Congressional District, a real choice in who represents them. And if your listeners want to get involved, they can do so at richardbailey.com. That's our website, richardbailey.com. Whether you live inside or outside the district, you are able to volunteer for us. You're able to donate to us, and I just know that uh, we're going to be representing not just the people in our district, but everyone in the entire state that really believes it's time for a common sense comeback through a fiscally responsible, socially res- res- uh, uh, respectful platform that we think is going to resonate with most people uh, throughout the state and throughout the country. Absolutely. That sounds like such a great platform. So thank you so much, Mayor Bailey, for being with us and starting out this new year on Biblical Citizen. Let's roll and 
citizens out there, let's get rolling, shall we? Let's start a new start for the year. So thanks. Thanks, Richard. My pleasure. Thank you both. Mm -hmm. To bless your neighbor this week, consider volunteering and contributing to help elect Richard Bailey to Congress. Bring some sanity and decent values to D.C. Simply go to richardbailey.com and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at the same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence and civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.